Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy. And today, as always, we've got an amazing guest. He is the author of The Vision Code. He's an international speaker and coaches high-level executives. Welcome to the show, Dr. Oleg Konolov. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about my Russian Thank you for inviting. <laughs> How are you doing today? Great to be in conversation with you. You know, thank you. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about here. Your main focus and what you've really, really developed and honed and helped a lot of people with is this whole process about building a vision. What is kind of this aspect of having a vision? Why why do people need a better vision? And don't most people already sort of have a vision in their head? Um, what oh, What's your no. thoughts on this? Well, you see, the shocking truth I realized when I was doing uh -huh. my research, and I'm still continuing researching this field because the field is so huge. Right. I was shocked when I realized that Less than 0.1% of modern leaders have vision. Really? You know, people, okay. Yeah, we, we, we know. But actually, majority of us, mm -hmm. the vast majority of us, are really afraid of the future. We tend to live oh. in the past. But think for a moment. If we have a question about something, that means that we don't have an answer from the past to this question. So we either should create the answer or find the answer in that future. Whatever is relevant, how to live a meaningful or happy life, uh, how to become successful in business, how to get out of your worries and perceive something great. It's all about to look into the future, but it, future will come anyway. Tomorrow will come. Right? right, but how satisfactory it will be, it depends on how we will create it, and it's about vision. We want to live in a happy family, yes, we must have a vision for that family, otherwise, it's just mere social exchange. I'll bring my salary, you do cooking, you know, it's <laughs> nothing satisfactory, and it's right. more about worries. And actually, our vision defines our evolution okay. as humans. Otherwise, we still would be running around with stone hammers, you know, chasing each other. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know? yeah, absolutely. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> no, because you see, when somebody... Look from the simple aspect. It's about 1,000 words added every year to the English dictionary only. How comes? Because... Some visionaries at certain moment of time created something that demanded to be named. Mm -hmm. So we evolve. We evolve in the way how we do things, how we think. But it can be done in a way of like some kind of a chaotic way. It's about very structured thinking. Okay. And vision assumed to be a gift. But it is not. It is a clear algorithm, how we think, how we focused on the things, and we bring them into reality. Hmm. And that is, is so really critical. interesting to me. Um, what you just said there was that it's an algorithm, that it's this linear process almost. When I think of vision, and I've heard other speakers talk about it, it's almost this creative process. But you're saying that it needs to be quantified and it's once again something that we can actually kind of jot down as being being a, almost a mathematical formula in, in a sense then it is it is okay because look vision comes when your conscious awareness of a problem that you want to solve for a benefit of others reaches its peak so it's about mm -hmm. clarity it's not about something wishy-washy. I want to be a millionaire. Cool. No one cares. Nobody right. for others. And it's just a wish. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, I want to make everyone happy on this planet. It doesn't work. Right. Because it's not focused. Therefore, you can't 
have clear metrics for it. You can't execute it properly. Actually, you can't make everyone happy because oh, no. there are always people who are not happy about it. Right. So, so you're saying the vision needs to be something clear. realistic too. Oh, well, realistic in a, in a way that it wouldn't be easy to achieve. Otherwise, it's just a goal that we reached. But it's a huge multidimensional space in the future where we aim to live. And we invite people to live in it, get a value out of it. It's in a simple way. Uh, it stands on, uh, on, first of all, it stands on a firm decision. Okay. Here's it comes a very interesting because we tend to say decision and choices, we're mixing those things together. But there is a huge difference, actually. Choice doesn't assume commitment or responsibility. Decision does. If okay. we get married, we're not making a choice. We are making a decision because we're saying, yes, I will commit myself to this person to make her or him happy. And uh, I will do my best and I feel responsible. If it's a choice, we're not at McDonald's. Come on, it's very different. And then we should look at it what really we are aiming to do in our best way, what our right. aspirations. And here another problem, because one of the most difficult questions adults can answer is, what are your aspirations? Right. <laughs> because <laughs> kids are good at this. Children yeah. are very good because they're free. They mm -hmm. don't have those dogmas. You know, and they're very good at saying, yeah, I wish this. But adults would tend to say, no, it's too childish. I would not think this way. How people would think about me. No, 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 no. Right. Now, now another part of that uh, about adults is that uh, I always go back to the Mike Tyson quote that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Brilliant. So how does that apply to, to vision then? From what I'm gathering is a vision is more powerful than just a goal. It's more intense sensation. But what happens when all these things in life kind of knocks down our vision, our, our, uh, our efforts David, in, in getting there? David, I have my own experience, right? And through my life, I got quite a few bruises. You know, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and one of these tough moments... I sat down and I realized, uh, and it was really, really tough. And I said, okay, what is greater, my goals or my problems? And as soon as I realized that my goals are greater than my problems, things get easy because right. I tend to move forward. So what and, were some of these problems then and what were some of your goals? I was willing still to explore, for instance, that field of vision, mm -hmm. right, which is actually a tremendous field and not easy to to reveal. Right. And even more difficult task is to make it simple and digestible or applicable for people across the globe. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, oh, hey, how to do, you know, all these things. I have at the moment business problems and so forth. And then, okay, what's more important? Carry on. As Brit saying, keep calm and move forward. <laughs> it's exactly back to the quote of Mike Tyson. If you're thinking only about winning that particular match and you got a, you know, a heavy kick, that's it. But if right. you're thinking, that's regardless it. of my losses, I will carry on or my failures, I will carry on. Because to do something great, to go beyond yourself, to go beyond those problems, you must have something tremendously greater. And what is fascinating about vision? Think, vision doesn't have gender. It doesn't have age. It doesn't have race. Mm -hmm. And it's always greater than a person or any company. Right. And therefore, it's transferable. It's inspiring. It allows you to look beyond those convenient problems. And another great aspect, all of us, we have, I call it a mind luck. 
When okay. we are flying across continents, for instance, if I'm flying from the UK to Korea or to the West Coast of America, it's a jet lag. Yes. We need a few days to our biological clock to get back to normal, then you're flying again and so forth. So we have excuse for being not productive. But when we are creating future, we have a the big issue. We're thinking too much about the past. Mm-hmm. And our past is full of problems, and therefore we're dragging them forward. We think, okay. uh, to some extent, we think about the present, more mm-hmm. or less like on the level of reflexes, what we need to do now, today, and so forth. And we're afraid to look into the future because we assume it is uncertain. And here comes the difference. Your mind, which resides in the past and in the past problems, can produce much productive for the future. Therefore, you must shift uh, or close this mind gap towards right. the future. And mm-hmm. you will be much more productive and effective in uh, producing something valuable and meaningful for yourself and for others. Right. Now, don't you think some of the, yeah, don't you think some of these physical kind of stressors, though, also take away from our vision, though? Like when you mentioned flying all over the world, how, how can you have a vision or keep that vision so clear and intimate in your mind when your mind is starting to kind of decrease with all the stressors and the physical things that are thrown at it? There, I would say there are two aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Vision itself demands and gives you a great tool, focus. Focus, focus okay. itself mm-hmm. is a great tool because you're focused on it and it's, it's inspiring, it keeps you focused there. And the other thing is you creating a very different mindset. People are relying too much on their brain. We're all smart. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all smart. But vision allows you to become wiser, wise, with a greater mindset. Because the difference is our neurons are fairly lazy creatures. You know, <laughs> yes, they're they sitting are, yeah. somewhere there, and you right. know, and this is some kind of a gray substance, which is not very much about to be irrational or go extra mile and things like that. But when your mindset commands to your brain, do this, your brain is prepared to go, to go 10 extra miles. Right. Because, oh, right, I got, I got an order from mindset. You know, I must fulfill it. Otherwise, as soon as you're slacking it, it's just like, oh, yeah. You become lazy again, relaxed, you know, but when you're having that command, mm-hmm. you're, com- you're commanding your energy, you're commanding your inspiration, you're commanding your thoughts. You become a really, really, I don't want to use a word machine, but you can, you're becoming a really super mind. You're Not right, super yeah. queen, but super mind. Mm-hmm. And that makes a tremendous difference. Focused super mind. For sure, absolutely. Which is wise. Yes. Definitely. And that's a huge difference. Okay. Now you're also taking this and applying it to basically high stress positions such as leadership. Like in your last book there, there's all sorts of quotes and stories from from all sorts of highly successful people. Is there kind of one of these stories that pops out to you the most? Um... The first and more very important to consider vision, we are looking for a vision or to create a vision when we are not happy with the present. Mm-hmm. We are trying to find a mean of breaking out of non-satisfactory present or we want to change something. It's not about, you see, I'm not touching politicians. 
because what right. they're speculating on is just like we're not happy with this hey mm-hmm. it's about solutions it's not about being unhappy with something right to create that solution you need to have a vision mm-hmm. and here comes an interesting point because at that moment when you're realizing look I want to do something better. I want to achieve a new success. I need, and I, I, I see a need for it, for making a difference. Here comes a need for vision because vision is actually a great factor which will allow you to change. Otherwise, you will remain the same, always not happy, always not satisfied. Right. Yeah. So you're talking about kind of the present situation here. So when you're developing this vision, how far kind of ahead into the future are you going with it? Um, and kind of what processes in this timeline are you focusing on so that it actually becomes something that could become real? David Katz, a fellow Canadian from yeah. Vancouver. And he was thinking about how to solve a problem with plastic waste in the ocean. Yes. Okay. David David Katz. Yeah. Yeah. And David found a brilliant solution. He actually turned plastic waste into the currency. And uh, people that live along the ocean coasts, Collecting right. the plastic, give them to to plastic bank, his company, uh, and he pays them in electronic money for school, for food, for medicine, for Wi-Fi, for education, for everything. And they're collecting millions of kilos every year. And when this initial project, which became a very successful social venture, uh, took off, as a next stage, seemingly it like for many years. So it's non-satisfactory present, mm-hmm. willingness to change and find solution. It all comes in the same row. How to develop it further? And David sat another day and calculate how much of that plastic waste is floating in the ocean. Right. Nine trillion dollars. How many? $9 trillion of plastic waste, which is good for recycling, is Uh floating at the moment in the ocean. Imagine the scale Uh of it. Can you do it within five, ten years' time? No. No. It's for many years ahead, right? And also, uh, collecting this plastic waste makes people better. Mm -hmm. So... It's from a stage when you see it's a really serious problem, which should be solved, to a stage where you could see how it could be scaled to a great extent. So you're refining that vision and revising it. One of the key elements of this algorithm is revitalizing your vision. Things changing. You Mm -hmm. see more opportunities. You have greater tools have greater means of developing something further and of course you're revising it because you grow stronger you could see something better so you will immediately realize that its vision is not your final success uh, it just from stages to stages and every time you're redeveloping or reinventing your mindset you know i have a strong belief like we tend to say that cats have nine lives. Right. Leaders with a strong vision have nine yeah. lives because every time they're inventing themselves and they're starting like from a new, with a new energy, with new desires, mm-hmm. they're inspired. Right. And the people around them are the same. And that's where the huge power of it lies. So are you constantly re, re-changing this vision in your head as things appear? Or yeah. are you... you you're revitalizing it. You're making it stronger. You're not changing from, uh, you know, A to Z. 
hey, mm-hmm. you just reshaping it. I'm lucky enough to work with former Olympic, uh, Olympic Games champions or former professional athletes. And they all have a similar notion. You can't win at a different Olympic Games with the same mindset. So every new success, every new mm-hmm. big success demands a new mindset, which uh, will be defined by your vision. So just because you have success in one event or one stage, uh, if you use the same vision going into the next one, you're unlikely to be successful then. No, exactly. So more or less you have, you must have a great vision that would allow you to moving from success to success, but it will demand you, you growing. It will demand you shifting your mindset to the next level. So it's always developing. But there is no such a thing as a problem. No All such thing as which, sorry? As a problem. Okay, you know, because yes. what a huge difference. Majority of people talk about problems all the time. Mm. You know, I even just trying to avoid some of my friends who talk about problems all the time, whatever you will talk about. But there's a bad prices. Everything is so bad. No, no, no. Right. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't have a time for a strategy. You know, just like, oh, better move forward. Those people are very good. Okay, what's the problem? Okay, let's move to solutions. For them, it's like, problem. Okay, that's a little goal on a way uh-huh. to that success. Where people just making everything as some kind of a horror movie. Oh, we're full of strategy, you know, just like... Steven Spielberg could make another great movie out of it, just like how we find problems. Yeah. Right, yeah, the people who've got a problem to every solution, right? It's, again, yeah. it's our brain is wired to a simple mm-hmm. thing. If you're wired to find problems, you'll find a lot of problems. You'll be very good. But if you Absolutely. will rewire your brain to find solutions, you'll be surprised how good you are at finding solutions. So how does one start to train this muscle of being able to adapt and to redefine your your vision and to actually build it to be solution-focused? How do people develop that, that muscle or that skill process when they're going through horrible times and are they perceiving that they're going through horrible times? One of the things that I, and actually is not an easy task, is my sound simple. First of all, to weed people out of the past. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, because we are looking too much into the past. Solutions are in the future. They're not, nothing there, nothing in the past. As soon as you focus on yourself on finding solutions which are in the future, near or distant, doesn't matter, think to the future. What you could change? What would you change in yourself? Don't rely on people around you because one of the things which is, well, of us are getting the nasty gift fair from others. People are infusing us with their fears. Parents, friends, society, they all don't do this, it's wrong, you know, something like that. They're still pushing you into wrong. But as soon as you're saying, okay, those fears are not mine, I'm not afraid to look into the future. Another thing is, we should learn how to ask questions beyond convenience what does it mean we tend to ask the same questions again and again and again even those questions are meaningless we still keep asking them you know when you (laughs) like that why are we asking ourselves meaningless questions all the time i believe you have this experience and i have this experience being asked some kind of a not a best question and i'm always questioning 
in return if I will give you an answer what you will do with this we the, when we don't okay we will ask about something how to fly to the moon what you will do with this answer would you fly yourself no right. no it's kind of trivial absolutely or you're just trying to say that you are smart and therefore you're good at asking questions no right <laughs> ask meaningful questions that would allow you to move forward not to stay within the same or prove that you are right somewhere it's not about being wrong or right it's about moving forward that is a very different approach so learn how to ask questions in a very different manner beyond that convenience mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense yes now a lot of what uh, you're doing elements you say yes, i'm no. working on a on a new book project with a colleague and friend of mine john spence and we're still okay. working therefore i'm not revealing much on it but uh-huh. it's about how to think vision strategy in people okay and i talked to a number of experts in psychology and all this neuro brain guys you know really really smart and they all came to one of their interesting statements is we tend to think about something for on average for 10 seconds therefore we are easy to judge because yeah, of course it's just a split second mm-hmm. good or bad black or red you yep. know testing not testing you know something like that just like without even thinking therefore past is very attractive to us because we don't need it just like like kaleidoscope it just tends to change whatever the answers we'll get it's we don't tend to think much future demands thinking deep thinking right yeah more than 10 seconds mm-hmm. far more right yeah and, in yeah, this and that sense, kind of goes into kind of the hardwiring of the brain most oh, of yeah. the most of the brain is sensory so we take in all this information from our outside world and basically it comes down to yes no answer and that's usually in the moment as things happen and then this future thinking prediction is a lot more complicated and that's kind of why when we look at the evolution or development of different brain functions is kind of where where we've we've really separated ourselves from other animals is that prediction type mentality but you're absolutely right it takes a lot of calculation and a lot of abstract thinking and it's really one of these higher 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 level functions that we have and uh, really depends on the rest of the system working well um, what would be kind of your approach with that then i'm old-fashioned in this sense mm-hmm. if uh, i'm trying to f- look into the roots first to understand what's going on if we talk about logic okay right who is good at logic mm-hmm. let's start with aristotle uh-huh and then he just goes through how what i could change to think differently to make a leap not just to improve my skills in this sense right so i'm going to challenge you on this one because isn't future thinking based on past experiences and past knowledge though you're using past knowledge more or less as a platform but bear in mind Mm -hmm. It's a lot about unlearning. And unlearning, it's not about saying it's wrong, but it's right. about it's not relevant. Ah, okay. Because it's, uh, see, okay, that approach is good, but it wouldn't be relevant to this topic now. Right. You can't copy paste the same because you will get the same result. Mm-hmm. There are so many things, for instance, when one of the elements, communication. Seemingly, we know everything or almost everything about communication. I have asked myself a simple question. 
what is the difference between communicating vision and sharing vision? And I was shocked. I was yeah, I realized we communicate facts and we share emotions and stories. Mm-hmm. So when you com- when you share your vision, when you talk about your vision to other people, if you are good at enveloping facts, so communicating your vision and stories and emotions in which people yes. want to be as a part, I mean, I mean heroes of it. So more or less, you're delivering to the conscious mind facts and emotions to subconscious mind. And it gets really into people's minds and they're getting to it. Yes. Seemingly simple question, because if I would follow called a convenient thinking, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't make that leap. But as soon as I will question it, okay, I will start looking at communication as I know nothing. And I wouldn't take previous dogmas. Otherwise, I would simply following the the same recipe. Right. But I want to create something different. Therefore, I should question as simple things. Therefore, I must learn something to learn something new. Yes, definitely. Uh, so you're opening yourself up to the yes. possibility of things versus uh, kind of the abs- um, absolute in a very simple way, you know. Yeah, that's extremely meaningful. It is. You start asking more meaningful question questions. You immediately start realizing you're creating new meanings yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Actually, every vision is a new meaning. Whatever okay. we're talking about Tesla or Apple, whatever those famous companies. It's yes, about yeah. me. Marshall Goldsmith is actually a father of executive coaches, coaches and coaching. Yes. Almost 40 years ago, he said, okay, why not to create it as a system, which took him quite a year to, to write all those, his famous books or works. But he was thinking, my best not popular now, but it becomes more demanding because people need it. How do I would create that solution? And he created that space, ah, which is absolutely important. Yeah. And today is essential for many leaders. And I'm not talking about, I don't know, wellness coaches or whatever, personal coaches. I'm talking particularly leadership coaches. Mm-hmm. I'm just more familiar with that area. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, here come, mm-hmm. again, it's a bit of provocative statement. All right, well, yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, you see the difference between when you help people with visionary leadership and between going to psychologists is fairly huge. Psychologists okay. are returning you into the better version of you in the past. Uh, you I should see. be thinking that way at those days, but it's not relevant anymore. That's it. Life, you know, the past is gone. Right. Visionary saying, no, ignore. You are now reinventing yourself for a future. And it's not about tapping on your weaknesses, but it's about tapping on your strengths. Mm-hmm. And so... It's sharpening you for making you absolutely stronger. So it's a very different approach. Oh, definitely. Now you've mentioned, and we've had we've had this great discussion about basically the past and the future. What about this whole mindset and well, psych, psychology approaches, and then of course leadership approaches on being present? How does this all intertwine together? I must be in the present. I must be grounded. Because, first of all, if I'm solving a problem for others, I need to be with people and understand what is the value for them, 
not just creating something. Oh, people might love it. Or people will definitely love it. Oh, they are not. You know, not be surprised. Don't be surprised because talk to people, listen to people. I believe we could learn from people much more than from books. Books are important. You know, right. I read a lot myself. Mm-hmm. Even I do write some books <laughs> myself. Please read them. <laughs> yeah, you've written three great books that, that I know. Uh, I wrote quite more, but I mean, just like the better ones. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because some of them, well, now I could see, look back and say, well, okay, they're mine, yeah, but I will keep it. Actually, well, actually, on that topic, you, English is a second language or a third language yes. to yourself, and yet you're writing these really amazing best-selling books in English. What was kind of your vision and and how did you get through this to to be able to to write this in a different language when many people are have the goal, maybe not the vision to write a book in their own language? English is a language of management and leadership. Yes, it's like old days, all doctors were writing all their records in Latin. Yeah. French mm-hmm. used to be the most common language in diplomacy. Uh, all days, not today. Yes. Yep. And uh, so, if you want to express something in the best way, use the language of the domain. And English is the language of management and leadership, which is widely used across the globe. And it's the most spoke, spoken language. Yes. So I could express myself in this uh, sense. Again, language is a tool. Yes. What you want to express. And again, what is the goal to write the book? Back to your question. For some people, just I want to be an author. And what? What's next? (laughs) For me, book, every book is a journey to myself. Ah. A good book, you will feel it. You will feel that when you put the final dot. Period. Done. End. At that moment, you feel that this book impacted you in a great way. So you did the research, you talked to many great people, you redrafted this book for many times, but it's not about this handwork. It's about thinking differently after every book. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking, okay, I will type 50,000 words or whatever, and that's it, it's just like from A to that, it's done. It's not a book. Right, it's yeah. A of words. Mm-hmm. Not just that. That's got to be so unsustainable. Like, how can you keep motivation if it's just about the number of words you put down on on a program? It, it same, doesn't drive people, does it? Exactly. You see, it's about. It's actually it's relevant to to a vision itself, because yes. It's important what kind of vision you will create, but it's important how this vision will impact you and others. The same about book. It's like you are helping patients with uh, neurological problems. Mm-hmm. But it's not just about you helping them. It's about how do you grow and how different they, they, they will feel Oh, it's absolutely amazing to see lives transformed. Exactly. And, uh, their their so, joy and extra function just just radiates inside of you when you see it. Exactly. So it's not a pile of records in mm-hmm. your logbooks, you know, no, just like no. patient A, patient B, just like, you know, just like yeah, green tablets, no. yellow tablets, goodbye. Yeah, it's nothing about that. It's no about way. It's about that you interaction. Currently, fighting some kind of a serious problem, but it becomes a new stage of life for this patient. Right. 
Now, how do you transform that from basically writings in a lone task? Whereas what we just described is an active interaction with the person in front of you. So how does somebody go from being in this alone state and trying to get that out to help others? What's kind of the mindset when that, that occurs with people? David, I spent quite a time in the fishing industry. Actually, I spent many years in the fishing industry, but I spent quite a time on a North Atlantic deep sea trawlers. Okay. So a very practical approach. Whatever I do should be very practical. Whatever the person, for instance, my ex-fellow, you know, uh, crewmate, you know, would open this book without even just like slightest level of education. He would say, oh, yeah, I understand this. I could apply it. That's the best approach. Make it simple, digestible, and people could put it into practice. And the other thing is, I have a little son, and whatever I write, I I use his view as some kind of a metric for myself. Would it be relevant for him in 20 years' time? Okay. He would open the book and say, Dad, it's stupid. Or he would say, oh, thank you, it's meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, that allows me to talk. And... Very strange thing, what I have noticed talking to quite a good number of authors. All authors of all successful books, they know their books very well. Yes. And not so many of them. Majority of authors because about 250,000 business books are written in English language only every year. Right. The yeah. majority of authors, they hardly know own work. Ah, so they're just writing for writing's sake? Or, yeah, yeah, for the sake of writing. So they don't know. They've not been painstaking their experience. Uh, they've not been living what they've been writing. Mm-hmm. They're not been researching it properly. They're putting their assumptions or opinions, and that makes a bit of a difference. And therefore, when the question asked, they think, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." You know. So, when you know this through really, really ex- great experience, talking to people, doing proper research, living it, testing it, so you know, and making it relevant to any person across mm-hmm. the globe, that would make your work really meaningful in, as so, in terms of the book. Yeah. So definitely experience. How, how much would curiosity fold I'll, into this? I'll give you a simple example. Every doctor tend to say to his or her client, patients, you should be having less stress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that mean? Exactly. But we always hear the same thing. Mm -hmm. And I have a question to all these doctors. Yep. Are you living a stressless life? (laughs) No, there's no such thing. No. Why are you advising (laughs) people to do something that you are not prepared to do? Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't happen. No, never. So, so with when that, you're recommending something in your book, yeah, it must be really bulletproof. Uh-huh. That because it works, it's been tested. I know it myself. My clients know it's been tested with them, mm-hmm. so it works. And you're always searching for that next answer, correct? Of course. Of yeah. course. Absolutely. Well, well, success, success yeah. is a short-term result of a long-term commitment. So <laughs> carry on committing yourself. Right, yeah. And how do you get that across to people or even yourself? Because um, I look at myself at a, at a younger age. Uh, is the timeline behind this success? 
is that it's always going to be a constant thing and it's always going to be pushed farther and farther away. So how does that fit into your, your vision theories and, and, uh, and leadership? David, the first two words, as you mentioned, timeline. Mm -hmm. Yes. Throw it out, um, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because time is important. But what's important more is energy that you put into it. Because right. if you in conversation with a very dear person. Is it about time or is it about how much you will put of yourself into that conversation? Mm -hmm. Nothing about time. Right. If I want to create something important, you can't do it looking yeah. at your watch. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. It's about effort that you will put into solving that problem. Of finding that solution that would right. allow you to do something great because if you would be just on timeline or time management you either mm -hmm. will do a dodgy work right. you would, or you will present something not completed right not rounded mm -hmm. you, or you know, get you overwhelmed tell to your patient in the middle of some kind of important procedure sorry the time is off goodbye <laughs> right yeah so success comes when you really know that you put sufficient energy and whatever you've done has a substance now you say sufficient energy do you also believe that you could be putting too much effort into something and okay. then it falls apart as well well no I don't think so no, because no. you probably just maybe would be more called pragmatic in putting things. Right. But well, what about those people that work too much and they lose out on sleep and their their oh. relationships start to crash as well? Uh, yeah. Would you say that's too much effort? Uh, behind what's the meaning of task? such a hard work? Because, uh, for instance, in family relationship, family is a way of why mm -hmm. you're committing so much time for doing something and they're supporting you, they will right. help you with a sleep mm -hmm. or having a break or whatever to relax. But if you're just working for the sake of your ambitious or your some kind of a false promises, you, you, you tend to kill yourself. Right, yeah. Now you put you're this putting into... uh, wrong energy into a wrong wrong areas yes yeah yeah absolutely now you actually incorporate this into your vision as well it's not just career or ambitions it's actually kind of the emotion and the happiness and the fulfillment around it as well correct i'm using happiness in, in quite a i would say on a couple of occasions i'm putting satisfaction satisfaction yes yeah because again not all the people are always happy again no, not at all. moment of satisfaction sometimes even you uh you think oh, i haven't achieved this but then you walk around and you think hey i should be surely satisfied because i have done it yeah it could be done better or whatever the reasons but and still have a room for improvement I'm satisfied mm -hmm. and become satisfied and happy. Right. Happiness is our agreement with our satisfaction. <laughs> now, I know we're not going to leave everybody listening to this satisfied because there's so much more information oh, yeah. and this amazing vision aspect, as you describe it, is very powerful. How would people find out more about this and where would they go to? First of all, welcome to read my book, The Vision Code. Mm -hmm. It's available Definitely. actually across the globe, you know, Amazon, you know, whatever, different sources in different formats. Uh, they could find me on my website, olegkanavalov.com. 
Or and how would they spell that? O l e g k o n o v a l o v dot com. Perfect. We'll put that in the uh, show notes as well, though. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and they could find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect, and uh, I do respond to messages myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Perfect. Well, if there is one last key piece of information or nugget you'd like to leave people with, what would that be? Don't allow anyone or anything to kill your vision. I love it. Absolutely. Whatever happens, whatever people telling you, don't allow anyone. Vision is your greatest asset in this life. Absolutely. And thank you very, very much. And my life has been enriched by listening to this conversation. And I definitely encourage people to, to pick up a copy of, of the Vision Code and continue to build that muscle and skill behind Vision and Stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Have a great day and thank you again. Thank you. Thank you.